good morning everybody and welcome and um, welcome to those here and to those on zoom uh, it's good to be together again to to worship god um but before we go i haven't been asked to give any notices but i know martin wants to come and uh, remind us of something happening this evening so i'll invite martin to come morning everybody good to see you um we're in a season of um, lent where we're focusing on prayer and fasting and um, corporate prayer together as the church is a really important um, aspect what we see in the book of acts the early church coming together with one heart one mind united in prayer and that's the context in which the the spirit of god was poured out so please come six o'clock uh, next door tonight please come and pray together one heart one mind in the pattern of the early church in the book of acts and um, i've updated the um, prayer point sheets which are on the uh, reception area and by each of the prayer points i've put some scriptures just to help you uh, reflect more on what to pray for under each of the eight points so there's scripture stories there's um things there that will help you to uh, think a bit more broadly and deeply about some of the prayer points um, through reading some of the scriptures that, that uh, undergird them. So use, we'll be using those tonight, but do take them from the reception area, use them for your own uh, prayers. So see you tonight, six o'clock next door. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Isn't it amazing that we, um, we have a God who cares so much about us, um, a God who is holy, uh, beyond our, our wildest imaginings, and yet who offers us forgiveness and uh, his grace and mercy through what Jesus has done for us. And he is the God that we're here this morning to worship. So um, let's start in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that uh, we cannot even comprehend how great, how holy, how majestic you are. And yet you love each one of us and you pour out your love on each one of us. And Holy Spirit, we, we just thank you. We know that you are in us when we accept Jesus as savior, you come to live in us and we thank you for that. So we know you're here this morning and we want to tell you that you are more than welcome here, Lord. We, we just love to know that you're here with us. And we ask the Holy Spirit that you will move among us this morning in all aspects of the service, Lord, as we give our worship to our Heavenly Father, as we give him the glory, um, as we hear from you through, uh, as we hear um, God's word being spoken out to us, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you move among us in every single aspect that we might know that you are here. And Lord, may we have a, an expectation that you will indeed move in this place and that uh, you will speak to us that you will prompt us you will guide us everything that you do as only you can holy spirit in jesus name we pray amen and so let's come and uh, just worship our, our god
Be unto 
some words from 1 Corinthians. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose low and despised in the world to bring others down to nothing, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Truly, says God, you may weep and lament, and though the world may rejoice, your sorrow will eventually turn to joy. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. We sung earlier, let your people rejoice. And we do just thank you, Father, that this morning we can come and rejoice before you. We can enjoy your presence. And we just marvel at that because you just love us so much and you've given us so much. In this world today, we sometimes wonder what there is to rejoice about. But we do rejoice in you and we thank you for being here with us this morning keep our eyes on you lord just keep us all close to you we pray amen
guess, Lord, that word glory has, has cropped up in so many of our, our songs already this morning. We give you the glory, the highest glory, the highest honor, the highest praise that only you are worthy of. And we thank you. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for who you are, for all that you have done for us, continue to do for us, for the way you work in our lives. And we thank you that you are here this morning yes. and that you are pleased to receive the praises of your yeah. people. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I know Mark's here somewhere. Where's Mark? There he is. Well, hello. How are you doing? Good. Um, no video this week, just me. But I do have some props under here. So what I've got is a couple of presents. And what I need is some help. So, oh, Rachel and Emily, that's great. <laughs> Always the first to volunteer. I love them. Um, so I've got two presents here. We've got this present, which is really pretty, really spring-like, lovely flowers on it, quite heavy. And then we've got a little tiny drab, boring present. So which present would you like? You, you want the, the, the pretty one? Okay. Do you want to open that for me then? And we'll see what's inside. Quite heavy, isn't it? It's a box. There's a box inside. So do you want to open the box? Try the other side. It'll be easier. That's it. And what, what have we got in? It's, it's really exciting what's in the box. What have we got in the box? It is half a brick, and it's covered in mud and cobwebs. So, there you go. So, you chose this present. So, this is yours. You can have that to take away with you and, and, and play with. Um, is that what you were expecting in the present? Because it looked really pretty and nice on the outside, didn't it? Right. Okay. Well, you can save that till Christmas. Um, so, so thank you. Um, thanks for, for your help. Do you want to take that away with you? Or do you want to have a look what's in? Because the deal is, you get that present, you chose that present, and whatever's in this one, that's for me. Is, you don't have to pick it, the is that right? So do you want to, do you want to see, help me open this and see what's in this one? What have we got in this one? We got no. We're not opening. We've got a box of celebrations, and uh, they're mine. So I'll enjoy those later, which is great. Thank you. Very... No, I'll tell you what. Because you've been such good helpers, do you want to take those away with you? And maybe you can share them in Sparks, or take them home and share them with Mum and Dad. Do you think? Yeah. So, or maybe you just want to keep them to yourselves. I don't know. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I'll keep the brick. So, 
Thanks, girls. Off you go now. Um, so what was that all about? Well, as Martin mentioned earlier, we're starting a new series um, on prayer today. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a story that Jesus told about two people that were praying. And uh, one was a Pharisee, and he stood upright in the middle of the temple, and he raised his hands and he spoke in a really loud voice. And he made sure that everyone could hear him. And he prayed something like this. Well, as you know, God, I am not one to boast. But I just wanted to thank you that you made me so great. I am a fine, upstanding member of the community. And you've probably noticed that I give a tenth of everything I have to you. And you will have seen me fasting because I fast regularly. I thank you that I'm not like other men. I am so much better than them. I'm not a robber or a cheat. And I'm not like this sniveling little tax collector over there. But on the other hand, the tax collector knelt down with his face to the floor and he prayed, God have mercy on me because I am a sinner. I know that I get things wrong and I need your forgiveness. Jesus said that the tax collector was the one who was put right with God because he knew that he needed God's help. But the Pharisee didn't think he ever did anything wrong. So he didn't think he needed forgiveness. In fact, he probably didn't even think he needed God at all. The Pharisee had already received his reward. He was proud and self-important. And what was important to him was the respect and acclaim of everyone around him. So that was his reward. You see, Jesus looks on the inside rather than the outside. Just like the two presents we saw earlier. One was bright and shiny, lovely flowers, nice wrapping paper. And the other was plain and boring in brown paper. But what was important was on what was on the inside. Is it a brick, a stone, or... Is it a box of chocolates? See, Jesus says he comes to replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. So what is on the inside is what is important. The tax collector was humble and seeking God. The Pharisee was proud and self-centered. I wonder, which one are you? Thank you.
Thank you, Mark and Rachel and Emily. Could we take up the offering now, please? And then it'll be time to go out to Sparks with Jenny and George. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you for the material uh, gifts that you give us, as well as the, the, the more important uh, spiritual ones, Lord. And we offer this back to you um, for your purposes, Lord, not ours. And um, we ask that you would guide those who have the responsibility for spending the, the funds of, of this church. And Lord, we thank you for our, our young people. We thank you that uh, you're going to speak to them too as they go upstairs um, in the same way that you will speak to us here in the sanctuary. So we ask for your blessing on them as they go up to Sparks now. Amen. And uh, as, as we, we usually do, um, I, I'd like to offer this opportunity now to bring our prayers of intercession to God. Um, because we know that's what he wants us to do, to bring our prayers and requests. We've presented our thanksgiving to him, and it's right and fitting that we should do that first. But if you have any requests that you want to bring to God, either silently or aloud, that we can say amen to them, as the Spirit leads, let's bring those requests to our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Jesus, you tell us to cast all our anxieties on you for you care for us and jesus you care for us because uh, we see that you you suffered and became a human being you you entered into the weakness and fragility that we experience so you empathize sympathize with us in our weaknesses and, and so you can help us and give us mercy in our need so jesus thank you that what a friend we have in Jesus. We thank you that you are the ultimate friend. You empathize, but you don't just empathize, you bring healing, you bring comfort, you bring hope, you bring strength and power to the weary and the burdened, and you give us rest. Thank you, Jesus, for that wonderful promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so we do that this morning. Jesus, we lay down our burdens and our weariness at the foot of the cross. And we thank you that we are yoked to you. We don't carry and drag these burdens on our own, but Jesus, you are yoked to us and you help us. And so we pray, Jesus, that for each one of us who's carrying burdens today, help us to remember, Jesus, that you are with us and uh, make our burdens lighter, we pray. May we find rest and peace for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go into this new season of spring, that um, you just bring new refreshing life to us in, in every way, Lord, that every vision and dream from you that has died or we've been discouraged in, Lord, I just pray that you bring your life, that you breathe fresh life into us, Lord. I pray that you stir a passion in our hearts, God, and that you continue to lead us and guide us and that we will learn more and more about you every day, that we will be encouraged and built up and we'll be able to share your love and your light and your truth with those around us uh, in every area of our lives, Lord. I pray that this season of spring will be a season of encouragement, of building up, of uplifting in Jesus' name, that everything that has tried to hold us down, everything that's tried to discourage us, Lord, 
we just reject that in Jesus' name. And we pray, God, that you fill our hearts, fill our minds, fill every part of our being with your love, with your joy, with your peace that just surpasses understanding, Lord. That it will be a testament to you, Lord, and people will ask us, what, what have you got? And we'll be able to share your love and your joy and your peace and your everlasting life, Lord. We just ask for your wisdom and encouragement in this new season of spring, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord God, we thank you that in your love you listen to our prayers, you hear them, you answer, Lord. And the world is, is just full of, of people who need to know you, who need to know a touch from you, Lord. Um, and we just ask, Lord, that you would raise up men and women of, of God who would draw aside people, um, who can just share your love, who can do something practical, who can pray, Lord. And we ask for your, your healing where it's needed. Um, we ask for conviction where it's needed. You know what we all need, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you would move mightily um, in your creation, Lord. Amen. Well, as been mentioned a, a few times, we're starting a new series. It's uh, prayer two, or prayer course two, and uh, we're looking today at unanswered prayer. And the passage that Martin's going to be speaking on is the first five verses of Matthew chapter five. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Father God, I imagine these words are very familiar to, to many of us, to most of us perhaps. But we just thank you um, that your word is living, it's alive, and that... You can bring out so many different things and we ask for your blessing on Martin now. We thank you for his preparation as, as indeed we always do, Lord. And we ask that you will speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just before I uh, get going here, I believe it's uh, Callum's birthday back there. And uh, guys, you brought some cake, is that right? So next door, um, after the service. So bless you. <laughs> so we're starting a new series, uh, Prayer Course 2, Pete Gregg's, um, based on Pete Gregg's book, God on Mute. Um, and uh, we're looking at uh, the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, or at least the first three. Um, uh, this is called unanswered prayer. Um, now, before you think that prayer, you think I think I've lost my faith and prayer doesn't work. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that um, in, in, in some sense, prayer is not uh, answered fully in this life. Um, just think about that for a moment. That makes sense. Um, until we get to heaven, we will continue to need to pray, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus prophesied that there will be earthquakes, famines, wars, persecution, 
until he comes again and brings about a new heaven and a new earth. So prayer makes a difference, but we await the final answer to prayer, which is a new heaven and a new earth, when there will be no more earthquakes, famines, suffering, persecution. So the kingdom of God has come in Jesus and continues to come as we pray and work for it. And yet, in a sense, the kingdom of God is yet to fully come and will only fully come when a new heaven and a new earth comes down to earth and heaven joins with earth. Does that make sense? So the kingdom is both now and not yet. And you know this from your own experience. You know that until you are perfected in Christ, when you see him face to face, you will need to continue to pray, asking for forgiveness from sin. You will not get free from sin this side of meeting Jesus. We are growing from one degree of glory to another, but the whole of life, according to Martin Luther, is one for the Christian of repentance. Turning away from sin and turning to Christ and dying to sin. You will need to keep praying prayers of confession, prayers of intercession, prayers of petition, until you meet with Christ face to face. That's why, and in, that's the sense in which prayer is not fully answered until we get to a new heaven and a new earth. And yet, there are answers to prayer now, even for those who mourn for their sin and for the world. There are answers to prayer now, today, for those who are poor in spirit. In other words, are humble, like the tax collector. There are prayers answered today for the meek, because they will inherit the earth. And so I want to give you good news, but I want to tell you the truth that prayer will always be, in a sense, not fully answered until we meet with Christ and inherit the new heaven and the new earth. And I want to look today at the first three Beatitudes. Um, before we get into this, we need to understand what is meant by blessed. Blessed as a term is misunderstood. Um, they're sometimes called makarisms, aren't they? Because uh, in the Greek, the term uh, makarism means to bless. Um, two ways of blessing. People bless God by praising him for his perfections. He is perfect in all of his attributes. But God blesses people supremely by approving of them in Christ. God stoops down to us in our sin, and he blesses us by showing his approval in Christ. God has offered the whole world the blessing of Christ, but it's really only those who receive Christ who receive the fullness of God's approval because they receive forgiveness and mercy. So a helpful translation of blessed is approved of by God are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's a bit more awkward than blessed, isn't it? But do you understand? That's the translation. Approved of by God. So to be blessed means to be approved of by God. 
So whatever life circumstances come our way, sometimes we're in seasons of relative peace and joy, and sometimes we're in seasons where we're carrying burdens, where we're suffering for all sorts of reasons. And we all go through different seasons of life, don't we? I've been through them, and you, you're going through them. Whatever comes our way, whatever season we're in, Jesus is saying to us this morning, you are approved of by God. Not because the circumstances necessarily indicate that, but you are approved of already in Christ, regardless of the circumstances. The world says, well, you're blessed if you have a comfortable, easy life. I'd, I've never seen that life. I've never seen it. I've, I've been on this planet less time than you have. I've never seen anybody with a comfortable and easy life. In fact, those who have more riches have more anxiety and fear of losing them. That's what you find. If you've seen that series, Gold, know anybody? No, nobody's seen it. Oh, this is going <laughs> to crash then, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you, the more gold they had, the more problematic it became for them. Life got more and more complicated. They didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't get rid of it. They lost friends, you know, as well as breaking the law and the criminality and all, all of the stuff around that. People who win the lottery do not end up with easy, comfortable lives. They end up with relationship breakdown and depression, right? This blessed life of ease and comfort is not out there. But there is a life, according to Jesus, that is approved of by God, whatever the circumstances. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever season you're in, you are approved of by God because of Jesus. You have all the spiritual blessings in heaven that you need in Christ, whatever season you're in. Now, that's real good news. So I'm going to look at three. First, verse three, or as we have translated, approved of by God. Here's verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or, a more accurate translation, approved of by God are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Approved of by God. Who are the poor in spirit? Well, in the Old Testament, God's people were often referred to as the poor of the Lord because they were oppressed. Think of Israel in Egypt under slavery. They were oppressed and they cried out to the Lord for deliverance. Some of the Hebrew words for poor mean lowly or humble. So a poverty of spirit then is to acknowledge that before God, we fall short of his perfections. God is perfect in love, compassion, holiness, in all of his attributes, and we fall short. However hard we try to be good and righteous, we fall short. The Pharisee tried hard to look good, didn't he, in the story? He fasted, he prayed. You know, he wanted everybody to see what a great prayer he was and how higher spiritually he was than the tax collector. And yet, who went home justified and righteous in God's eyes? The tax collector, because he was willing to admit that he fell short of God's glory. Um, I 
To be poor in spirit is to recognize that compared to God, we fall short. It's to recognize that compared to God, all of our good works fall short. We can never earn God's approval. We can't earn our way into the kingdom. I find that good news, right? Because it means I don't have to compare myself with others. It means I don't have to compete with others and climb all over other people to push myself up because I already have God's approval in Christ. He declares me his son. He declares me as adopted into his family. He declares me righteous. I don't need to put others down and push myself up because God says of me, you are my dear and beloved son in whom I am well pleased because of Christ. I'm set free from comparing myself to others. I don't need to put others down because Christ has lifted me up. I'm already approved of. I'm already righteous because of Christ. Um, one of the wonderful things that's going on at Asbury University in Tennessee is that young people, and here's a picture of them at the, the altar at the front, young people are um, kneeling at the front of the university chapel and weeping and praying prayers of repentance before God. And they're being healed of emotional trauma, addictions. You can find on YouTube testimony after testimony of young people being set free from addictions and traumas of all descriptions because they're bringing their sin to Jesus and asking him to forgive them. They're turning away from the past, from addictive behavior, from things that have held them captive. And God is meeting with them in wonderful ways. Thousands and thousands of young people at Asbury University finding Jesus for the first time, being set free. They're modeling what it means in true revival for repentance, turning away from sin and turning to God. It's that wonderful James 4 scripture, come near to God and he will come near to you. How do we come near to God? We get on our knees in humble prayer and repentance. We acknowledge our sin before God. And we all have weaknesses as Christians. Every single one of us has areas of our life where we need to repent, where we need, we all have our Achilles heels. For some of us, it's pride and self-righteousness, right? For some of us, it's habits, thought patterns, addictions that we need to declutter. Um, the evidence that those who are poor in spirit are approved by God is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, the poor in spirit, the truly humble, the ones who recognize that God is so much higher than they are, will receive and have received the kingdom of heaven. They're in the kingdom. The people who are humble about their sin not the proud are the ones who are in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, the humble will be lifted up, and the proud will be brought low. That's a reward today that we can enjoy. If you are humble before God, if you are willing to repent of your sin, 
if you're willing to acknowledge that your good works don't earn God's approval, but only in Christ are you approved, you have entered the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? You're already there. One day after this life, you will enter into that kingdom fully in a new heaven and a new earth. But you're in it today because you belong to Christ. It's good news, isn't it? Um, maybe there's some of you who haven't yet entered into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you've not yet knelt at the cross and come to Jesus and said, Lord, I recognize that I need your forgiveness. Lord, it doesn't matter how much good I do, I know I can't reach you because you are perfect. But because of Jesus who took my sin upon the cross, I can be declared righteous as he is righteous. Maybe you need to come to Jesus and receive his forgiveness. Maybe God is calling you today to pray with a Christian and to ask Jesus to come into your life that he would make you righteous. Don't go from this place. If God is calling you by his spirit to respond to Jesus, do it today, don't wait. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, I don't know how many times you've moved house. We've moved a few times over the years. But um, here's a picture. Very often there's, um, when, no, it's not our house. When, when you, at least, yeah. Um, <laughs> when people move, they often have a room when they're sorting themselves out of clutter, right? And they shut the door and it's like, no, you can't go in there. That's the spare room. <laughs> By that, they mean that's the clutter room. We do the same as Christians, don't we? We, we keep a clutter room of habits and sinful patterns and wrong attitudes and unforgiveness. We're hold, some of us are holding on to unforgiveness. Decades ago, somebody upset us and we're holding on to it. We're holding on to the clutter. And we're saying to God, you're not coming in there and I'm not opening the door. And do you know what happens when we clutter up the house of our lives? We can't live in all the rooms. There are rooms that are out of bounds. We're not using the full potential of the house when there's clutter and boxes everywhere. And we do the same to the Holy Spirit. When we refuse to declutter sin, when we hold on to unforgiveness and don't turn away from it, it's as if we're shutting God out of, of the rooms of our lives and saying, you're not coming in here. The Holy Spirit wants to fill every part of every room of our lives, right? He wants us to declutter, throw out the rubbish, get rid of it so that he can fill more and more of our lives. So what do you need to declutter? One day our prayers will be fully answered when God declutters our lives completely of the power of sin. One day we'll receive bodies that won't be able to sin again and we'll be perfect as Christ is perfect. But until then, we will need to declutter so that the Holy Spirit can fill us more and more and more. Anybody arrived yet and is totally decluttered? I don't think so. Second, verse four, um, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted or in my translation, approved of are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It's a strange phrase, isn't it? Why would the mourn be, 
Why would the mourning be blessed and approved of? Because they're the ones who are mourning over sin. The ones who mourn over sin are approved of like the tax collector who beat his chest and mourned over sin. God said, I declare you righteous. You're forgiven. And that's what this means. This is not mourning in general. This is mourning over sin. Um, One thing I've noticed as a Christian is that I get more and more sensitive to my own sin as time goes on. We shouldn't be surprised by this, should we? Um, Sometimes new Christians say, oh, I've become a Christian and I, I, I seem to be sinning more. And you say, no, you're not. You're just becoming aware of it. You're becoming sensitized to sin. That's okay. That's good. It was before you were a Christian, you were desensitized to sin. You didn't even know what it was. Now you know, and you can confess it and get forgiven. Um, I think the reason that we get sensitized more and more to sin is we know who we're upsetting. And we get frustrated with ourselves when we upset God, don't we? Um, Anybody got a good friend in their life? Not many, you're all lonely people. I'm saddened for you. Lord, send them friends. Send them friends, Lord. Bless them with friends. Nobody's got friends in the church. (laughs) When you upset a good friend or a family member who you love dearly, you will be grieved because the relationship has been fractured. It's been broken. And until you say sorry because you've upset them, and they forgive you, you will live with grief and pain. And the same is true with God. Because we love him, and he's our friend, when we grieve him and upset him, we will feel grieved and upset. And this is what mourning for sin is all about. I don't want to upset God and grieve him, but sometimes I do. And until I confess the sin and receive forgiveness, I'm going to feel out of sorts with God, right? just makes sense relationally doesn't it so we need to um, mourn and grieve over our sin so that God can give us the joy of forgiveness right some of you are out of sync with family members and friends I'd urge you to apologize and to seek forgiveness and reconciliation please it'll affect your relationship with God if you don't It's more than just, well, I'm not getting on with that person's at stake. It's your whole relationship with God is at stake. That's why we need to forgive one another as we've been forgiven. Anyway, that's another story. There is a mourning as well over the sin and evil of the world. Um, The news is getting harder and harder to, to watch, isn't it? Some of the evil out there in the world just seems to be getting more and more intense Um, we mourn not just for our own sin we mourn for the oppression and the cruelty and the evil of the world don't we just like this guy Wilberforce on the screen who mourned over slavery in our nation and campaigned for decades to see slavery ended and it was only after he passed away that the slavery bill was introduced oh that he would have loved to have seen that. 
Or you think of Shaftesbury, who worked tirelessly because of his tears of compassion for children being sent up chimneys and being worked ridiculously long hours in factories. Or you think of Whitfield or Wesley, who were determined to preach out in the open fields and open up churches that were open to the poor and the oppressed, as well as the middle classes. And I could go on and on, couldn't I? Their compassion, their tears for the poor and the oppressed drove them to prayer and to do something. Do we grieve and mourn over the world? Do we mourn and grieve over the people in our community who do not know Christ? One day our prayers will be fully answered when God himself comforts and dries our tears himself. That's what Revelation says. God himself will dry our tears. That's what it says. But until then, we will mourn for a broken world. But the good news is that we are comforted as we mourn. Isn't that wonderful? Approved of, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Isn't that great? The Holy Spirit is the comforter. As we mourn and grieve over our own sin in the world, the Holy Spirit comes and he pours God's love and hope into our hearts. But we must pray to receive that comfort from the Holy Spirit. Thirdly and lastly, uh, uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, or approved of are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Who are the meek? A good illustration is a shire horse. Strength under control. Power under control. Shire horses are gentle and powerful, but they do much good. They do much work for good. And to be meek is to have, a, you, you may have a strong and powerful character, but it's strength under control for God's good purposes and for the good of others. Meek people are gentle people. They don't force themselves on others. They don't force their own agenda. They know that they are people who need God's forgiveness and gentleness and mercy themselves. And therefore, they treat others with mercy, kindness, gentleness, humility. Right? Lloyd-Jones said um, that a meek person has a gentle and humble attitude to others, which comes from a true estimate of ourselves. When we know that like everyone else, we don't deserve God's mercy and grace, we will treat others with mercy, kindness, and grace. The person who is the model of uh, humility and meekness is Jesus. This is one of my go-to scriptures, by the way, Matthew 11. I hope it is for you too. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The image there is of being yoked to Jesus, like two oxen are yoked together with a wooden yoke, so that one is not isolated and pulling the burden on its, on its own. We are yoked to Jesus as Christians. So sometimes we think we're pulling the burden by ourselves. We're isolated and alone. And we forget that Jesus says 
look, I'm here. I'm yoked to you. Hello. Will you let me take up the burden and help you pull and carry it? Jesus says he's yoked to us. He will do the heavy lifting if we will bring our burdens to him in prayer. He will help us carry and move that burden. And ultimately, Jesus took the burden of our sin on the cross. And he died to lift the burden of guilt and shame and sin off us so that we can find rest and peace in him. He is the gentle one who offers us peace and rest. And you know, when you come to Jesus and receive his peace and rest, you can be humble and meek and gentle towards others. Can't you? Because you know who you are. You know you've been forgiven. You know you've received mercy you don't deserve. You know you're approved of by God. And you don't need to trample all over others or put others down to make yourself look better because you already are approved of by God. So you can just rest and enjoy the security and status that you already have as a child of God. And therefore, you can be humble and gentle and meek in your treatment of others because God has given you the ultimate highest status you could possibly have in Christ. So we don't need to compare ourselves with others. We don't need to try and compete. We don't need to put others down and lift ourselves up. Jesus has already lifted us up to the highest of the heights, to the heights of his throne. So you and I can be gentle and humble, meek towards others, because we know who we are in Christ. We have his approval. He's died for us. He saved us. We're his child. So we can rest and enjoy and delight in that peace. And the good news is the meek, the humble, the gentle will inherit the earth. They will. Not they might or they could. They will. <laughs> it's good news, isn't it? You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't have savings if we've got them and use them well or whatever. But where's your security? Is it in your pension plan? Jesus said, the meek will inherit the earth. A new heaven and a new earth you will inherit if you're a Christian. You will inherit a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more suffering, no more tears, no more pain, no more injustice, no more sickness, no more aging. That's what you will inherit if you're a Christian. So you can be humble and meek because you don't need to have the the best car, the best house, the best achievements, the best education in this life, because you have everything in Christ. You have all there is to have as an inheritor of the kingdom. That should set some of us free, shouldn't it? From comparing ourselves to others and feeling envious or insecure. Knowing that we have an eternal inheritance and that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of that should bring us great peace and joy today. Whatever circumstances of life you're in today, one day you'll be dancing in the presence of Jesus. <laughs> you're already in the kingdom. 
You know where you're going. You know where you're heading. You know what your destiny is. So whatever you go through today and tomorrow, you have a secure destiny in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? The problem is, as Christians, we look at the circumstances in the here and the now, and we compare ourselves to others, and we think, well, they've got an easier life than me. And Jesus says, will you look at the riches I've already given you? <laughs> you're rich. You're blessed beyond your wildest imagination. Delight in me. Seek me first and my kingdom. Everything else will be added to you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what we should do. Who are you looking at? Are you looking at the storm? Are you looking at the waves? Are you feeling hard done by, by difficult circumstances? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Realize the riches you have already in him and the riches that will one day be yours forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are amazing. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, that you promised that all who come to you, who are weary and burdened, you will give us rest. Lord, I pray for the weary and burdened today that they would lay their burdens down and that, Lord, in their tears, you would bring joy. Lord, that you would comfort those who are mourning for difficult circumstances. But, Lord, give us all a spirit of humility and contrition and repentance to come before you and kneel again at the foot of the cross and to confess our sin and to receive the joy of forgiveness and righteousness in Christ. Jesus, may, knowing where our eternal inheritance lies, spur us on and strengthen us with hope today. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon all of us, Lord Jesus, that we might be filled with love and hope and courage and comfort. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Martin. Well, in our closing song, we're looking forward to that glorious new heaven and earth that uh, Martin has reminded us about, that it will be our inheritance. Uh, that glorious time where there'll be no more death or mourning or pain or suffering, um, where we won't need the sun and the moon because the streets will shine with the glory of God and, the, and of the Lamb. And so we're, we're going to sing now, there's a place where the streets shine with the glory of the Lamb. There's a place where the streets shine with the glory of the Lamb. There's a way we can go there, we can live there, be on time. Because of you, because of you, because of your
of Jesus, those who love him. Oh, we just thank you. We bless you. We bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for that promise. I know it says hope, but that is a different kind of hope. It's a hope that is a certainty for those who love you. We just thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. It may be that uh, you would like to, to stay in the quiet, perhaps, um, Bring prayers of repentance to, to God. It may be that you would like to, somebody to pray with you. Perhaps, um, as Martin said, you, you haven't reached that point of asking Jesus into your life. Um, perhaps there's something else that you would value having a member of the prayer team or, or um, another Christian come and, and pray with you. If so, um, would you stay in the sanctuary? And if the rest of us can go through for tea and coffee and cake, birthday cake. So... Uh, <laughs>